0: everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Just Two Dads with my co-host, Mr. Sean Francis. I am Brian Altunian, and it is the Wednesday after Labor Day. So what that means for most people in the United States is back to school. Uh, Today, we have another returning guest. Sandy, this is, I think, our third or fourth week in a row. We've had somebody who was on the program before, but having them come back because we have something specific to talk about. So I'm very excited to, to have you back again um and before we jump into today's conversation with Sandy who is by the way an IEP advocate you can see it by the by the background behind her head um <laughs> yeah. and and she does some uh, some amazing work we're going to be talking about what that means as you enter the IEP uh uh, uh calendar now so before we jump into that um well i guess I don't even know what the hell I'm doing, Sean. I'm, here we go. I'm just jumping into this whole thing. So, so uh, Sandy, stay tuned, everybody, for another episode of <laughs> – okay, I'll get it together, I promise, of Just Two Dads. Uh, sorry about that. So, yeah, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, uh, which is, which is kind of normal for us uh, because we uh, – we do this show live, everybody. This is episode. Yep. I want to say it's one forty-five, but now I don't even. I can't even keep count anymore. Sean and um, I. Just...
1: When I was uh, going through my calendar and and you invited me to be back on, I was so happy to see you guys again. And I realized that the last, the first time that I was on your show, I think was on your fiftieth episode.
0: Wow! Look at that. We're hitting We're milestones.
1: Yep, we are. So thanks. Amazing. For
0: me talk. Amazing. Great to great to have you back um so if you're catching us for the first time go back to episode 50 and see And we're gonna revisit some of that but uh we're, we're we're gonna talk as if and the great thing about having people back on the show is and sean made this comment last week is sometimes we're gonna hear the same information but it's gonna sound different for some reason sometimes mm-hmm. it just sounds different as we get seasoned and we start to understand this information you know better and better and hopefully for those that are that are joining us um, that'll be the experience as well. You're going to hear some new information. So I want to thank everybody if you're catching us live on Facebook. Um, thank you. Put your comments, uh, we'll you know, in the chat box there, and we'll it'll go along with the show. That'll end up on our YouTube channel at uh, We Are Just Two Dads. Um, I keep saying it. Our YouTube channel is Just Two Dads. Our email is We Are Just Two Dads at gmail.com. So if you're catching us on a po- on a podcast outlets, whether it's Google or iHeartRadio or Spotify or wherever, um, and you want to reach out to us, please send us an email at wearejusttodads@gmail.com at gmail.com. And uh, if you're hearing us uh WSTX AM radio down in the US Virgin Islands, thank you for making us a part of your listening day. Um, we appreciate you all. Thank you for 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 listening in. Today's conversation is going to be uh, is gonna be great because again, as we get back into um, into the school year a new school new maybe your your child has got some new accommodations ne- ne- uh, necessary to make their day at school more successful um, some folks don't even understand what an Iep is or what a 504 is or any of any of the required you know processes to um, to enable our our children who have some learning difficulties or some some uh, i don't want to call i hate calling them disabilities but for lack of a better challenges. word, disabilities, challenges. That, challenges that make it difficult. Yeah. This is uh, accommodations that make your child's learning experience much more, um, much more valuable. So we're going to get into that today before we jump into it with Sandy, who we love dearly. But not only is she an IEP advocate, but also bilingual. And so for our Spanish-speaking community, it's such, it's such an important, um, uh, it's such a key factor in having somebody who not only understands the process, but speaks language and communicate in such a way that empowers and informs our parents. So, so glad to have you back on the show. Before we jump into it, Sandy, I'm gonna throw it over to Sean, say hello. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties with Sean's mic, so, um, but Sean, besides the technical difficulties, you look fabulous. How are you feeling?
2: (laughs) Maybe just a not, I wouldn't say defensive, but just, you know, the issue is not my mic. The issue is the (laughs) service that we use. And um, I, I will say to their credit, not going to mention their name because we, we're still happy with them to this they And they're, I, I'm actually on chat with them as we do this. So you too can create and host the podcast. Um, I am doing well and doing great. Um, I'm thankful. Um, a lot to be thankful for. It's been a very interesting year. And with that said, in terms of gratitude and everything, I want to send a... It's not belated because I obviously told her and showed her yesterday, but I want to send... Uh, happy birthday to my wife Laura. Yesterday was her birthday. Um, That I was mean something. It means twice as much this year. It's been um, an interesting one to say the least. Um, But um, I want to just jump right into uh, our our time here today. Again, we've had um, a couple people that are returning to the show. Um, So we won't go down the usual road in terms of uh, your origin and or where your superpowers come from. They can go back to episode fifty and see that. But the, our guest today is someone who is an you know an IEP coach, a warrior, an advocate, uh, and then some. And that is n- none other than Sandy Cynthia.
1: Welcome, Sandy. Thank, you, Thank gentlemen. you, gentlemen. Thank you so Thank much, you so much so for, much having, for me. having me. And it, and wasn't, it only, wasn't only an only anniversary episode, but I was remembering that you we I was also a part of your uh, Someday is today Summit. Thank you all. That's did. right. And that was, right. that was so exciting to be a part of that, um, where you had just collaborators from all different walks of life, supporting families and of those that have um, different needs in all aspects of their life. And I'm just so happy to be able to be a part of this and to contribute and offer my perspective as not only a parent of an autistic young man, but as an IEP advocate and coach, which is what kind of fuels my fire. So it makes me tick. And I
0: absolutely that's, awesome.
1: They do. that's
0: awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank thanks, you. For, thanks, for thanks for, and thanks for mentioning me. that. Um, those, those uh, segments are, can also be found on our YouTube channel. If people want to go back and visit, that was from uh, actually about two years ago during COVID when we wanted to uh-huh. make, uh, give our, our, our guests who are service providers to to this community, which is the reason why we started this podcast to begin with. But a real opportunity, we do these segments and these episodes as a way for people to get to know you, get introduced. Sometimes it gives you a chance to talk about what you're doing. But that summit was really to give our service providers an opportunity to really share the work that they're doing. In some cases, they did PowerPoint presentations and Mm -hmm. talked about the work specifically that they did. And so if you want to go back and see that on the YouTube channel, please go back and, and do that. So yeah, Sandy, we, we consider Sandy to, by the way, we refer to you all the time, Sandy, in our conversation <laughs> with folks. Yeah, right? We have an IEP advocate, you know, East coast. And so uh, we yeah, always talk I about, talk about you fondly. Yes. Yeah, so, so thank you. And, 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 uh, and again, Sean, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go back to asking uh, Sandy a question, but. Yes, yes,
2: Yeah. So, you know, it's funny, you were saying traditionally, you know, um, the first Tuesday after Labor Day, you know, kids return to school. Um, that's not the staple that it used to be, as we've seen, you know, there are different districts that go back in early August, but it's sort of the official end of summer, the begin of, beginning of the school year and the fall, uh, nonetheless. And so we want to talk about, um, from the perspective of preparation, those that are new to a diagnosis, those might uh, that might be suspicious of a diagnosis, but not know where to turn, for each of those people, you know, how do they go about preparing for the school year? What should they do? Where do they begin? Let's start with someone who um, may not have a diagnosis, but there's a challenge for their child. In most cases, I think, and you tell me, Sandy, what, what you think. I think that in most cases, by the time a child begins school, a diagnosis will more than likely have taken place. Uh, but in, in, the, in the event that that has not taken place, they begin their beginning school, but they've kind of slipped through the cracks. Let's um, talk about both of those situations and start with those that may have not had one and then move on to what you might do if there is, in fact, a diagnosis.
1: Absolutely. And it's I love the fact that you pointed out that sometimes parents, by the time that the child starts school, they already have a diagnosis, either confirmed or brewing in the background, or parents may be aware that there's something going on. Back in my day when I was a kid, I was the child that went undiagnosed my whole life. So I was just the troublemaker in school. I was the child that couldn't focus. I was the hyper kid, which as an adult I have since been diagnosed as having ADHD and, you know, other varying learning disabilities, but I was also considered now because of my work and I understand more, I was also twice exceptional or or, you know, the what they consider twice exceptional which is somebody that does have some kind of a diagnosis a learning disability but is also somebody that is technically considered gifted because of the high iq that is something that can happen as well but the, the point that i was going to make is we've evolved so much and come so far with diagnosing learning disabilities and when children have some kind of a struggle starting at an early age so oftentimes parents will already have that um that knowledge in their quiver of uh, and their little arsenal of things that they need to get taken care of for their children or concerns that they may have when they're approaching the school. Yet there may be then the parents that just can't quite put their finger on it. Like they may see something's not quite right but I don't know what it is. Or their child all of a sudden that first quarter report card comes in and they're saying, okay, I know my child is super bright. Why are they tanking all their classes? Either way, children in the public school system are entitled to services and supports and testing and evaluations from the public school system. And it is free of charge to all families. So whether or not you already have a formal diagnosis or your child is struggling and you have a concern, as a parent, you have a right to address that with the school system and say, I'm worried about X, Y, and Z. I'd like to have my child evaluated to determine eligibility for special education services.
0: You know, I want to throw something out there because I, um, I, my oldest daughter, for folks who have obviously watched this show before, you know my oldest daughter had learning disabilities. We had an IEP from the time she was in kindergarten through, through uh, high school. But my, my youngest child, who's now a junior in high school, who's 16, was diagnosed um, at the end of his freshman year with Crohn's disease. And so last year, um, and by the way, that Crohn's requires monthly infusions of medication Mm -hmm. that he'll need for the rest of his life. Last year, he missed a lot of school, um, not just for the infusions, but for complications and kind of adjusting to medication. And so, you know, we were constantly getting notifications of, you know, assignments not turned in or late Mm -hmm. assignments or missed exams and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were trying to, you know, we were staying on him and, he, you know, he kept saying this, like, you know, look, I was out. They had a substitute. That wasn't my fault. They haven't graded that. Like, you know, and that being in high school, you know, our kids in high school have a lot of reasons for why they're works not done. And at the end of the year, I went to go talk to the counselor because we looked at his grades towards the end of his at the end of his at the time. This is software. You're like, listen, this is a problem because we can't control his medical condition. That's it. And the principal actually said you needed and by the way, I have been, my oldest daughter's 27. I've been in this community for a long time. And the principal said to me, (laughs) you should file for a 504 accommodation. And I'm like, I hadn't even thought about it. And so for just for anybody who's listening, you know, whether it's an IEP or a 504. So in that, in his case, it just certain accommodations that the teachers all know he's going to miss. In fact, he's out today. He's out today with a a stomach issue. Yeah. And so he's going to miss some classes. He's going to miss some exams. We need some accommodations for extra time for him to be able to turn his assignments in, for him to get notes to the classes that he misses, for him to be able to take the exams. By the way, for him to use the restroom and not be marked down for having to use the restroom either excessively or uh, in a period of time. Because when you have Crohn's, it's a bowel issue. It's an irritable bowel, you know, part of the irritable bowel you know, uh, diagnoses. And so it's a problem. And, and I've been in this, I've been in this community for a long time and I hadn't even thought, well, of course anybody whose child is dealing with some medical issue um, or, or any, any kind of issue that's either diagnosed or, or not, but consider talking to the administration about a 504, get a doctor's note supporting information, right. So that they can get the proper accommodations to allow them to have the success and not be penalized because they're going through something from a physical perspective. So Absolutely. I just wanted to, to kind of bring that up, Sandy, because you're, you're bringing up such great points that some people yeah. don't even know. And even those of us they that don't. know, don't even be, think you forget. about it.
1: You forget. And, forget. I, think, and I think it's worth um, mentioning for the families that may be listening to this and they hear that we're throwing around the terms IEP, 504 plan. There's a difference between the two. And great. IEP is an individual education plan and it is, um, there are protections for it, and it's um, administered or governed by IDEA, Individuals with Disabilities in Education Act. A 504 plan is accommodations and it's protections under the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act. The difference between the two, they both provide for accommodations, for um, you know supports within the academic setting. The difference is, that the IEP requires uh, provides the child above and beyond just accommodations and supports, it provides them a service. Somebody that is working directly with the student either to provide academic supports, to provide a speech therapy, to provide an occupational therapy, to provide instruction in executive functioning skills, deficits for remediation and math, just anything that, that someone is actively working with your child to teach them a skill, that would fall under the IEP. Now, the difference between the two is is primarily that it's it's the service component, the eligibility for them. Where where is the the gray line? Anyone can apply for either or either the IEP or the 504 plan. The distinction would be whether your child's diagnosis is a medical one like Crohn's, like asthma, like anxiety or anything like an actual um, diagnosed uh, disability, such as autism. Um, cerebral palsy, you know, just anything else. There's just the whole gamut. The difference is the academic impact or how it is impacting whatever this diagnosis is, how it is impacting the student's ability to access their education, access their educational environment, access their school day, access the curriculum. So that's where you have to meet with the school team to say, I need to, so in, in your son's case, You know, was the impact such that the accommodations were enough to provide him that additional support to get him where he needs to to be? Or was he requiring somebody to actually work with him to teach him that skill? So that's, you know, the difference between the two.
0: I'm so glad that you that you put that distinction. And again, I'm just going to echo what Sean has said the last few times is that <laughs> we've had you, we had you on before and I've learned something new the second time around. So um, I'm glad that you put out that distinction because, because again, I think, by the way, I think a lot of our students who, who, especially if you're in, actually it doesn't matter any age, K through 12, if you went through the pandemic and the added stress, the added emotional impact, the added mental health crises that we have, in this country actually in around the world you know it is possible that your child needs some additional support and whether it's services or accommodations whether it falls under an iep or under a 504. um it is definitely something worth looking into and exploring uh, and discussing it some school districts and some states you know it's a lot more it's a lot easier than in others so everybody every school district and every state manages these you know these these differently even though the ada and IDA are You know, our federal, they still kind of manage the access to the school district and these kinds of combinations a little bit differently. Right. So but I thank you for make Thank you so much for making that distinction, because it's a really important one and something that hopefully folks will look into to support their child. Our goal at the end of the day is to make our children successful in their education and obviously in life as well. So um, that, that that's phenomenal. This is I, done. Also, done. I also yes. wanted
1: to point out real quick that, and this is something that I get a lot of questions about when I speak with families, a diagnosis does not automatically guarantee eligibility. So, and there is a difference between a medical diagnosis and its academic impact. So again, I am encouraging families. So just because your son had that medical diagnosis of Crohn's once you and your family said to, reached out to the school team and said listen we're realizing that our son is really struggling in these areas we'd like to have a meeting to discuss this and determine his eligibility it's still a team decision and there are steps and procedures to go through to determine whether or not your child meets the eligibility criteria so sometimes i'll have a family that'll approach me and say my son's autistic why are they denying that he needs an iep well is he struggling in school? Is it impacting him adversely in school? A medical diagnosis, just because your doctor writes a prescription for give the student an IEP, there's still specific procedures outlined by the districts to determine eligibility.
0: For, for sure. We we in our case we got a doctor's note and mm-hmm. we submitted that, and then they sent us the you know 504 paperwork, paperwork and right. they have to you know, they have to talk to the teachers and then talk about what that would look like. And then they're going to call us into a, in for a meeting to talk with all about, to all of the teachers about what that would look like for, um, for Blake's situation. So, so yeah, this is, again, such great information for, you know, for, for us and for people to know that, you know, how to be advocates. And the thing I love about, about the work that you do, Sandy, is that, is that you operate as an advocate for for families um, and help and people can hire you for your services and you mm-hmm. know access your site I'm going to put your site up on the screen and we'll put it in the in the chat as well so sandy santero that's the that's the <laughs> English uh, <laughs> translation of <laughs> santero uh, yes Centero, um, so um, so people can, can find it more information about you and, and services you provide, but you, but again, course. you're such a wealth of information and they can follow yeah. you on Instagram as well. Yes, so I can. just want to say that, and just as it relates to me personally, thank yeah. you for, for that, and it helps to of give course. clarity and perspective. Yeah. And 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 honestly, you know, in high school, when grades are going to be, you know, determined whether or not you move on to college or what kind oh, of yeah. college will be put in, there's a lot of extra stress and pressure on our children to – perform and if you know again if they physically can't if asthma keeps you out of out of school during exam week or whatever because you have an asthma attack or you can't you can't you should there should be some sort of accommodation um and at least parents should know to ask so
1: and the 504 accommodations of ieps provide a student services all the way through the end of high school 12th grade graduation once they graduate and they move on to college, the 504 kicks in. So a student, even all the way through college, is entitled to accommodations. Those ADA 504 accommodations, they are entitled to receive those additional supports. So for example, my daughter had a 504 Um, all throughout high school. She was able to, one of her accommodations was extended time for tests. She was able to utilize that for, we applied to college board to get the accommodations approved and she had extra time for her SAT test for her um, AP exams or you know all the uh, the ACT testing and even into college she was able to utilize those supports
0: beautiful that's awesome so i have done a lot of talking in this episode so far, so far and, that and that's rare, really rare. And, and, and this, and is, and why, this is why, if you're why hearing the hearing echo, echo, this is why this we're doing it. So. I'm going to so. stop I'm talking stop for talking. a second and let Sean throw a good question. A question. Always dying dying.
2: No, it's okay. It's more than fine. And I, I don't think the audience can hear the echo. Just everybody knows that it, there's an echo that Brian and Sandy can hear, but I cannot. From what we know with last week's episode, it doesn't come out for the audience. But like I said, while we're doing this, I, I'm not just sitting here trying to get a word in edgewise. I'm actually talking <laughs> on chat. With the tech department too, at the same time, but I also wanted to point out that which I should have at the top of the hour, which is that we're doing a two-part back-to-school uh, series, and the first, obviously, today touches on IEP and coaching around it and um, preparing and and things of that sort. Next week, we're going to take more of a look from. Um, the legal aspect. But so let, let's say this, uh, Sandy, let's look at this. So let's say one has an IEP, you know, you it's reviewed on an annual basis. And okay. for instance, let's say it is reviewed um, in the middle of the school year, you're going into the beginning of the school year, the IEP hasn't changed. How do you go about making any changes um, that might be appropriate for the upcoming school year? Um, maybe it's a new school, different grade, different teacher, or maybe you're not even sure if changes should be made and if the accommodations are still applicable and need to be updated. How does one navigate that?
1: So I'm glad you brought that up because part and parcel of the way that IDEA is laid out within the IEPs is that there are procedural safeguards or there are rights that the families, the parents have Um, Within the process, one of them is the annual review. That is a requirement that the school team is required to at least once a year review these plans and make amendments, make updates um, according to the student's progress. See what's still applicable, what needs revision. However, another aspect of that is that part of the parents' rights is that they may call a meeting at any time they see a need. So you are not obligated to hold and, and have to wait till that you know, 30th of March comes around to be able to have that meeting. If you have a concern at any other time, I encourage families to reach out to their school team at the beginning of the year. One of the things that I love um, to encourage all of my parents that I work with is to sit down and take stock of what happened not only over the end of the school year, but what took place over the summer. You know, depending on what your child's age is, especially when we're talking about the elementary age kids, and depending on the nature and the severity of what diagnoses they have going on, sometimes you may have noticed a regression over the summer. Sometimes you may have noticed that your child has really developed a new skill and has made some great strides and and make gains. So just, you know, start a note, notepad of, you know, what are your concerns now based on, What happened over the summer? What happened over the course of last year? And how is this relevant to moving into this coming school year? Then pull out that IEP. Every parent should have a copy of your child's IEP. If by any chance you do not ask, reach out to the school team, ask them to email you a digital copy and take a look over it. Read through it because the goals that are written for your child's IEP should be written in a way in which every parent should be able to read it and clearly understand, understand what it is that they're working on, what your child needs help with, what the end goal is to try and how are they going to measure that progress? What are they going to consider a win? And is this still applicable? If there's something there that doesn't jive or that you feel needs changing, reach out to your child's school team and say, listen, you know, I know school just started, but within the next couple of weeks, I'd like us to look at calendars. Let's set up a time that we can meet because my concerns are, and just lay out your top three concerns, just list them by bullet points. And another point to, um, I think is also worth noting at the beginning of the school year, even if you don't feel that anything needs changing just yet, you're okay with sitting around and waiting until the end of the first grading period or what have you do not automatically assume that every student working or, or that every staff member that works with your child has seen right. their IEP or their 504 plan. Reach right. out to them. I encourage every family member, not just at the open house when you bump into the teachers, but wait a couple of right. weeks and reach out to them by email and not just the homeroom teacher. I'm talking the PE, the PE coach, the music teacher, the art teacher, the librarian, anyone, any staff member that works with your child. Give them a shout out and say, "Hey, by the way, did you rec- know that my child has a 504 plan? Here's a list of their accommodations that they may need access to in your classroom."
2: Yeah,
0: brilliant. Uh, I think that's a. I think that that's a that that's a great idea and a great reminder for folks. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes where we take this, you know, in a, in a little bit passively as parents, you know, unless we're really on top of our kids and their homework and their assignments and everything. I will say this: with you know, one of the benefits of the pandemic was not only. Not only remote learning, but also the implementation in many schools of of um, things like called Schoology and other services and other yeah. platforms, where you know assignments are are put out there, parents can have access to it, so they know right. what the child's supposed to be doing, and then enables the child to upload or or you know to to turn in their assignments uh, electronically, and so sometimes those are great ways to monitor progress what we found interestingly enough was was that that was was great for us to have access and also very frustrating because <laughs> yeah. we're not in the classroom so we still don't know right and and for, we had a situation where my son said you know look at you 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 missed this assignment it was like 24 out of 100 points here that you've already missed he was like i dad i i enrolled in that class and then I enrolled in my original class and then they just switched me into this class they gave that test out the first week of this of the semester i wasn't in the class at the time and so simple things like that right where you don't even really really know but but by managing and for those who are seeing us uh, live we, we've lost sean for a second because we're He's trying to solve his, his technology issues yeah. but just knowing that you know again as a as a parent it's it's not a, it's not it when it comes to your child's schooling you know, it's important to take an active role and not just Absolutely. a passive role um, and look at what, you know, what your child is doing, because it also gives you something to go back to the to the teachers and say, hey, we've noticed on, you know, on this assignment list that this is there. Are are you familiar with Blake's 504? Are you familiar with my child's IEP? Correct. And, you know, have you taken that into consideration? And if so, is there some other thing that we can do um, to make sure that they get proper credit or that they're given enough, enough time. Um, So again, great, great reminders for folks. And Sandy, are you seeing now that we're again, back in school and to Sean's Mm -hmm. point, you know, not everybody starts, but by the time labor day comes around, most schools are back in session in the fall. Have you found after this in now us living in this post pandemic world, have, have things changed in the IEPs? And in 504s for families, you know, to accommodate things that maybe we didn't see prior to the pandemic.
1: There have been significant changes. The world of special education has long had challenges. Sadly, the pandemic, as with many other aspects of our life, have heightened some of those challenges and in many cases made them worse. Um, we have seen challenges in uh, staffing where you know yeah. the teachers and the support staff are just not there. So you may have a, a student who has an IEP that requires all of these specific services, including sometimes a student that needs the one-on-one paraprofessional aid. that is working sure. with them, the one-on-one aid, and yeah. the school is trying desperately to fill that position and people are just not applying. So there's challenges from a perspective of personnel, but there's also been challenges from the perspective of the student and the way that our society has slightly shifted, where not having continuous access to the educational environment for the past, you know, for, for that year and a half, two years, has made some significant impact, not only academically, but socially as well. And it's also worth noting that IEPs support a student. The the students are supported in the school system, not just academically. They are supported in areas of anything that that just encompasses the whole student. So we're talking communication skills. We're talking adaptive needs, independent functioning, executive functioning skills. We're talking um, social and emotional skills. Yeah. Then we're talking communication. We're also talking the, the the health impact, like in the case of your son or any other students that have um, health care needs. So, yes, there, there has been um, a significant impact. But at the same time, there is also, which I think is a, a, a good thing, has been a heightened awareness of these issues. And when you are knowledge is power. And when you know that there are issues in these areas, it gives you an opportunity to say, how can we fix this? And let's think outside the box creatively to resolve some of these situations. So, you know, if we've got a school that has no speech pathologist on staff because they just cannot fill that position, yet we still have you know, 75 students that require those speech services, then what other outside the box solutions can we have? So can right. we add some additional services where the parent is taking the student to their private SLP or speech pathologist and have the district help cover some of those costs? Or is the district potentially hiring people via um, the digital platforms to work with students? Are we getting, you know, a, a tutoring sessions through Zoom? Like th- there's been some changes that allow for the, you know, those outside the box ideas to come up with solutions to try and and help our kids and help our teachers and staff as well.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a real challenge for our education system among other industries in, in, and again, we say this country because we're so U.S. centric, but it really is, it's a global, it's a global issue. Um, you know we can only control what we <laughs> what we have access to here in the US right. and so we talk about it obviously but but yeah I, I, in a way I, I I see the positives and the and the negatives you know as a result from you know the pandemic and I think you're right labor shortage in education um, has really been striking, especially in the special needs community. we have friends who can't seem to, you know, have consistent aid support in their schools. Um, they're there for a few weeks and then they're gone. And that, again, goes back to teachers are underpaid and folks absolutely. in our education system, right? They're not being paid for the work that they do and the exposure they have, liability they carry, all of the stuff absolutely. that they're burdened with, you know, it's a it's a challenge. And so hopefully the exposure will call for, uh, you know, some changes to happen at the education absolutely and, I mean, and that's that one of the things...
1: Absolutely. And that's one of the things that when I go into meetings with school teams on behalf of a client, when I'm sitting there at that table, that to me, that's my child, because at one point it was my child that I was advocating for. But however, I come to the table with a perspective of both sides, because I also worked in schools. I was a paraprofessional myself for many years, and I was a school librarian for many years. And they used to bring me in to translate for the Spanish speaking families during the IEP meetings. So and that was where my little aha moment where I thought, you know what? This is where I want to be. I like being yeah. on, the, on this side of the table, so to speak. But the perspective being that I see both sides. I see the challenges. I see the frustration from the teacher's perspective. I see the frustration from the parent's perspective. Sure. And I also understand and, and, you know, I always try to bring to the table the collaboration of, listen, this is my child and this is what we're advocating for for these reasons. I understand your frustration. I'm not pushing and asking for something unreasonable. I'm asking for what they are eligible for and entitled to. But in my perspective, a well-written IEP supports not only the student, but the teacher as well. It gives the teacher then the tools and the roadmap that they need to be able to work effectively with that student.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's at the end of the day, a successful learning environment is both the student and the teacher um it it really does it really does make a difference so and the parents um, as well of course yes parent support (laughs) we can't be in the classroom but you know again uh, the parent support but but you know if you've got if you've got the parent and the student but you you have a disassociated or disenfranchised teacher not going to have a successful all three have to be committed to a um to the endeavor. Otherwise two of the three is not, doesn't work. Even if you have the student and the teacher, but you don't have a supportive parent or you've got parents that care or parents that are involved. It does, it does not, you know, not give the child the ultimate ultimate opportunity for success. success.
2: I was going to say, um, Sandy, and I, I think you might've touched on this early, um, earlier. I know we talked about it last time, but one of the things that I think is so important, such a daunting, daunting thing for one to face, especially the first time um, they're dealing with an IEP, which is one, they can sign that when they want. There's no deadline or anything. And obviously when you first sit in a room where they, you know, you're hopefully not a single parent, then if you are, you have a family member that can work as a team member um, with you and sit there by your side. Mm -hmm. Once they give it to you and they presented everything, you can take it home reflect and sign and send it back in any reasonable amount of time that's number 1 but then the other thing which i want you to you know confirm is that you can amend or change the iep at any given time correct
1: absolutely, absolutely. and i and i, do, I want do want to point, want to point out, out california, california. is the, i work nationwide i'm i'm based, I'm based in, in Florida, but i do work nationwide california is one of several states where the parents do actually sign the iep here in Florida, interestingly enough, we don't. Parents don't sign the IEP. When the IEP, when the meeting is finished, what the parents technically sign here is just a, partici- uh, a meeting participation notice. However, the the end is result is the same in which, if you, the parents are not 100% satisfied, you still at any point have an opportunity to put a pause on everything and say, I'd like to keep this in draft mode, Let me take this home. Let me reflect on it. Let me think about this. Let me read through this. Let me make sure I understand everything. Let me make sure that my concerns are answered, that my concerns have been validated, that they've been addressed, and that I am in agreement with this plan before I agree to let you finalize this document for my child. Now, there are some exceptions to where the school does have, within the, the rights of the whole process where parents have many, many rights. The school also has a certain number of rights as well, in sure. which if, they've, if they can demonstrate that they've made reasonable attempts to engage the parent or to get the parent to agree or to get the parent to um, come to a, a meeting of the mind, so to speak, with this plan and the parent still refuses, there are districts, there are some special provisions in there in which the school team can say, well, we as a team agree that this is what the student needs and now you've got that puts a whole new thing into person in, to play where there's you know like a 10 day window in which the parents can you know take it further and potentially look at you know some remediation to prevent that from taking place
0: and, and in that case the school is basically saying this is what we recommend and this is when we're willing to provide this support and you know we're we're, we're making this commitment in a way, it's kind of a CYA for the school because like, then the parent can't come back and go, you know, my child didn't succeed because of something that you did or didn't do. Right. In a way, they're like, look, we we put all these accommodations together. We put all of these recommendations forth and you as a parent did not, you know, a- adhere to this or, or accept it. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, I hope that that's a very rare situation. <laughs> I <laughs>
1: mean, it ha- it it happens sadly more often than you think. However, mm-hmm. the point being, and I keep saying the point being, but at the That's end true. of the day, the parents have an equal voice. The parents are yeah. an equal member of the IEP team. It is very intimidating, as, as Sean pointed out, when you're sitting across the table from the academic professionals that work with your child and you're confused, you don't understand you know, what's going on and what it is that they're talking about. It's intimidating. And more often than not, parents will sit back and just nod their heads and agree To whatever the school team is saying, not recognizing that they have an equal voice in this process and in the procedures and they have opportunities to provide their input, to ask the questions. And when you do have a disagreement, you know, there are remediation, there are uh, options out there for you. But the key takeaway for all of this is, in my opinion, documentation. If the school team is covering themselves by documenting, this is what we're recommending. The parent is refusing to sign it. Parents, the flip side of that is, if you have requested something that the school team disagrees with, then you specifically request, can I please have that in writing? That I requested X and you denied that, or you said that you didn't agree and give me cite chapter and verse as to why.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's, that that's an important thing. And we talk about this uh, this aspect what I'm about to mention uh, quite frequently on in our episodes, that would depending on how long it's been since the child's been diagnosed, you know, parents process this information, and you know, there's so many emotions and so many things that a parent goes through. That if you're if you're close to diagnosis and then you're sitting in an IEP meeting and you're still processing, like, what did I do wrong? What did the doctors do? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. and you're still together, all that.
1: It's yeah, totally for sure, boring.
0: yeah. And then, and then the school is like, oh, this, this is what this child needs. And you're like, well, uh, sometimes it's just overwhelmed. So the yes. idea that what you've said is that not only do you have a voice in it, but you don't have to take it all in and, and, and don't have to be forced to sign anything right away. And even if you did, you can come back and revisit absolutely with the clear, you know, clear mindset. But I also think that if you're brand new to the diagnosis or in the in the earlier stages of the first few years and you're going through IEP, to have somebody like you in that meeting or an attorney in that meeting is so Absolutely. critical because if you're not armed personally with the tools to understand mm-hmm. the processes, that you want to bring somebody in who can sit and go through that process with you. Am I, am I right in saying that? Having Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it's I, I always like to point out to families. I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on TV. I happen to be married to one, but that's And even though (laughs) I feel like my name deserves to be on the bottom of his diploma, because I I was up late at night with him. I I am not an attorney. Um, (laughs) Advocates. I, I am an advocate. I am an IEP coach. I have done this now. I started my my I started dipping my toe into this world 18 years ago when my son was a little boy. And I sat at that first IEP meeting trying to get. A plan in place to help my child who was struggling in school and i was told okay yeah he's got the autism diagnosis but he's not messed up enough to qualify for an iep those words almost took me out i'm cuban oh, so i was very grateful that my husband was sitting next <laughs> to me because he kept me from flying across the table and scratching out <laughs> eyes <ice. laughs> yeah. It was it was just such an emotional thing and and that was the first it was an aha moment for me like this, no, not, they did not just say that. And what do I not know about this? So that's yeah. when I first started diving into this world. And, you know, I realized, okay, there's, that's where I first learned. There's a difference between a medical diagnosis and educational eligibility. And I, you know, started diving into this and and learning, you know, and all the different continuing education courses that I could take and, and mentorships and, and things. And I'm always striving, always learning. I've done this now professionally for eight years where I've worked with families after, Working in the school system, I said, you know what? This is where I want to be. I want to be on, on this side of the table. But again, going back to the parents' rights, one of the things that that are is you know clearly outlined as a parent's right is that you're entitled to bring whomever you wish to these meetings with you. Whether it is your best friend to hold your hand and keep you calm, whether it is your child's grandmother, whether it is your private speech pathologist or your private ABA therapist, or an advocate like myself, or, you know, if if things really escalate to that degree that you feel that you need legal representation and you'd like to get a a special education attorney, then absolutely. Those are rights that the parents have in this process. When I work with families and I am at that IEP table with them, whether it's virtually through the camera or whether it's literally sitting shoulder to shoulder at that table, it gives the parents, not only am I able to coach them behind the scenes to let them know this is what to expect when you get to the table. This is what When you told me that these are your concerns, this is where I agree with you. And this is where I think we need to kind of our game plan, how we need to approach this versus, you know what, this is really not, you know, educationally relevant. And there's going to be a difference here where we need to just kind of dial this back a little bit, but I can also be the one to ask the questions. Let the parents sit back and be mom and dad. You know, they get emotional at that table and that's okay. I can jump in and for lack of a better phrase, take the heat for a little bit to make sure that everybody is being heard, that the parent is being heard, that the questions are the the hard questions are being asked, but to also make sure that that parent is understanding everything that is being um, said to them and being proposed.
0: Uh, Sandy, we, we make it sound like the IEP meeting is an adversarial meeting. You know, there's always, you know, people sitting on opposite right. sides of the table. It's really more of a, just a negotiation where it there's is. a win-win, right? It's it not should really, be. it, it should can be, be adversarial, but it shouldn't right. be adversarial.
1: It shouldn't right? be. And that's one of the things that I, you know, and there are many advocates out there and, the, and there are those that have had that really go sideways and things mm-hmm. can go sideways my approach, and it's not to say that it's never happened to me as well. My approach when I first go into these meetings is collaboration. Collaboration. We're here for Will, using my son as an example. We're here for Will, but I'm also here for Miss Jones and Miss Clark and Miss Sanchez, who are his teachers, because I want to make sure you guys have the tools that you need to be able to support my child. And let's work together. I want you to understand what it is that mom is saying that she needs for her child and what she's seeing how can you know do you guys see this at school let's work on this together how can we come up with a good solid plan to help both sides but communication is key
0: yeah yeah that's yeah yeah, and i think that that's the the goal of an iep meeting is always collaboration but it can and can have some adversarial perspective and i also think you know that there's some education that has to occur at that table as well because mm-hmm. sometimes parents don't know like what the marker is for determining success at at that age appropriate you know appropriate for that age or what determines you know Absolutely. a goal and how you set that goal yeah. and how you get there i remember sitting through jordan's ieps and like well we'd like jordan to, to complete two two full sentences and i kept thinking mm-hmm. Is that it feels like a low standard? Like, is that right. is that going to accomplish ultimately what we're trying to do to get her to have her have yeah. some success? And
1: absolutely. And the, you know, the whole purpose of you know, there's the purposes and findings of IDEA, and it's to provide a child with a free and appropriate public education. And it's a whole little beautiful paragraph, but the end of that paragraph says to prepare a student for further education, employment, and independent living. And that is really the key to the whole thing and so in your case where you're talking about Jordan and you're trying to come up with a goal to get her to write two sentences for many families for many students it's about the academics and they're reading two grade levels below or they're struggling with you know polynomials or they're struggling with speech um articulation skills there are some families that they're saying I just want my child to be safe I just want my child to be able to manipulate the water fountain at school. I want yeah. my child to be included and to make friends. I want my child to be able to write their name and, and sign their name effectively. I want them to learn a skill so that they can translate that into a, a job later on, or so that they can you know advocate for themselves effectively. All of these are things that can be provided for in the educational setting to help prepare our kids for college, for career, for life, for, you know, what comes next. And that to me was really, really brought home within the last handful of years because that's the part I'm living now. My son's 25 years old now. You know, Jordan, she's a, a grown woman now. This is the, the part where we're living now yeah. when we're realizing, you know, what came before that could have, would have, should have. Help set them up for success in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. My, um, yeah, (laughs) and uh, yes, I hear it. And you know what's interesting is that is that most folks don't realize that that you know those things like navigating, you know, friendships and being able to go to the water, you know, to drinking fountain. We our children all learn that in school. Like they all actually learn that. Sometimes it's just not like written out in, in a as a goal, but. But in essence, that is really what our is socialization as much as education and Mm -hmm. physical, you know, physical education, all that. That is part of our our, our our learning process. process.
2: That's the other thing I just thought of, too, which is, you know, those that follow the show and are familiar with Brian and I know that we work in financial services. And one of the things that we cover is um, working with um, estate planning attorneys Mm -hmm. to put together uh, estate plans. And. When it comes to a will or trust, a special needs trust, people forget you can get as specific, can and should get as specific as Absolutely. you want to when putting those together. IEP is no different in that regard. And I'm not saying to go in there and ask for the moon, but there is a a, a book actually called, uh, I forget what the author is, it's called How to Ask for the Moon and Receive It. But the truth of the matter is and if you don't ask, yeah. you don't know. And closed mouths don't get fed. And if it's a reasonable... Uh, request, then it's probably something you should have and you can explore how to go about getting that. If it's something where you feel, you know, I don't know if we're going to get this or not, but I sure wouldn't mind asking, you know, you go ahead and you ask and you find out. But to your point, Brian, with regard to the water fountain, if your child has social anxiety or social challenges where that's not a part of what they do, not only is it okay to request that, but we should. And this goes back to Our conversation about there not being any such thing as special needs, only human needs. They need to be seen, to be heard. There might be special accommodations by which to get those things, but everybody needs the same thing. And what happens is we all need purpose and fulfillment in life. And in most cases, we go through life walking through it uh, with our eyes closed on a familiar path. Therefore, the eyes don't even have to be open. So as a result, we're very reactionary as opposed to intentional. And so, when it comes to the IEP, your life, or anything else, be as intentional as possible. Sit back and think, okay, what do I really want things to look like for my child in terms of their day?
1: And these I'd also like, like to
2: like go ahead, I'm Cindy. So,
1: well, I was going to no, say, and I'd also I'm like also to challenge like the educational teams, teams and staff that, that may be listening maybe to this is, to this, is, is that, that we are also supposed to presume competence when writing these goals for our kids. So it's not a matter of watering it down and having it be, you know, the lowest. We're not lowering expectations by writing these goals for our kids. It's a matter of also presuming competence and trying to help them be the best version of themselves. Right. When they become an adult. I once had, you know, talking about when things go sideways. I once had uh, a middle schooler that I was working with that had significant um, needs And when I was asking for a goal to just help her be able to effectively write her name, the occupational therapist said, well, I mean, if you look at her cognitive profile, that's not really realistic. She may never get there. You could have knocked me over with a feather. I mean, the look on everybody's face on that across that screen was everybody was just like their eyes were this big. And I said, I'm sorry, we're supposed to presume competence just because she can't do it right now doesn't mean that we are not obligated to help her get to that point. So going back to what Sean was saying, ask for the moon, absolutely, because we want to help prepare this child for their future for when we as parents are no longer there. And what can we do to help set them up for success?
2: Right.
0: And if that's not a goal, goal. and if that's not a goal, then then what are we doing? doing?
2: And then the thing thing is, if someone says they may not get there, you know what, you're absolutely right. They may not get there, but they will not get there if we don't try. So just like you're trying to, You know, we think of in the field of personal development, self-help, whatever you want to call it these days. We have these vision boards and dream boards, live life intentional and everything. So, you know, step back, think about what you think about. Do some conscious thinking and you stop and think about, well, wait a minute. What do I want my child's day to look like in school from beginning to the end of class each day? And that's what the IEP should look like. And that's what you fight for.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Sandy, this has been great. I've uh, really enjoyed um, having you back on again. By the way, we, we say this every single episode because it's the truth. Every episode, our hour goes by so fast because it does, especially when it applies to the stuff that we are dealing with on a daily basis. So, you know, we're like, oh my God, we're just like hungry for information. So having you on here again has been such a uh, joy. And I, mean, I want to again, remind everybody, sandycentero.com is her website. Reach out to Sandy. She works across the country. Um, she's a phenomenal advocate and uh, and especially if you have folks who who their main uh, primary language is, is Spanish uh, you definitely want Sandy's support because um, this should be a collaborative effort no matter what language you speak and absolutely a child is entitled to an education in this country um, no matter what and so reach out to sandy uh, and get some support So, um, and we're going to, we're going to wrap by, we're going to ask you a question, uh, Sandy, that we ask everybody at this stage. Um,
1: I I always love collaborating with you guys and and having this chance to chat with you guys. So come on, hit me with it. What is it?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the portion of the show where we always ask, um, you know, our ability to change the world is tied to our ability or a willingness to change ourselves. So with that said, give us just one example of a thought or a belief that you once felt strongly, but now no longer believe to be true. I'm curious to see if the answer is the same as it
1: was last time. I don't, I don't remember what I, what I said, I said last, last time, time. but, I will, but I will say for a fact that one thing that, that has uh, come to my forefront within the last handful of years is that I no longer believe that I alone cannot make a significant impact in this world because mm-hmm. I absolutely most certainly can I have not only going when I think back to the students that I used to work with in school, the kids, you know, friends of my children that I when I volunteered in school, when I was the teen mom on the track team, um, you know, people in my community that I have helped um, organizations that I've partnered with through this um, world and, and the many students that I've helped as an advocate around the nation. Um, You know, I I just recently last year had a couple of students that I worked with ever since they were in elementary um, school, graduate high school. Mm -hmm. And to know that they have made it, to know that they graduated high school and are starting off their their college careers. That just, you know, I have to sit back and think, I you know, I touched those lives and I absolutely can make a difference. And having opportunities like this, when you also graciously invite me you know into your platform and, and into your worlds to have this opportunity to to speak to so many other families you know that this it lights my fire I really oh, it makes me tick yeah. that's
0: beautiful and it's a blessing for us as well so when we get value out of it selfishly we get a lot of value out of this as well um, and'm so glad that it will have an impact and it is meaningful and you do make a difference you've made a difference. For me personally this episode and and we always say like if it's if anything that we do changes one life um then that's then that's the place to start so um thank you so much sandy and uh thanks again for having me guys yes and i
1: have to say sean feliz cumpleaños to to laura um, yeah. you know, yesterday was your wife's birthday. Today's my daughter's birthday. So they're fabulous ah, Virgos.
2: Virgos. So. Ah, Virgos rule. I'm the 20th. So we, we love, <laughs> okay, we love, okay. it. We love I, thank I, you so I much. I miss
1: it. I miss it by a couple of days. So
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's awesome.
1: So I just want <laughs> to thank,
0: uh, thank, thank you. And, and, and don't go anywhere just yet, but, but I want to thank everybody for, um, for listening in. If you're catching us on podcast outlets, or if you want to see this again or replay, or you want to see something, um, go to our YouTube channel at, uh, at just two dads, and um, send us an email. We are just two dads. It's all one word. We are just two dads at gmail.com. And um, yes, I know I was getting there. But uh, for dads, Sean and I hold a uh, host, a a, a dad's dads of special needs children. We do a uh, we do a support group called The Den. We meet on Zoom every two weeks on a Sunday morning talk about these kinds of things that are you know that we're all going through as men it's a little different perspective than what our moms go through um, so join us uh, there's a link on the page on the uh, on the screen I'm sorry and also in the in the show notes to join us just fill out the form there's no fee to join us join and be in conversation with us. I want to thank Billy Footwear, who creates adaptive footwear for our children that have difficulties putting their shoes on. Um, they're, it's a phenomenal organization, and uh, and Billy Price, the founder of that company, his story alone is worth uh, visiting BillyFootwear.com. So I encourage you get 10% off if you um, if you did we put that up in the uh, chat. Sean put the link in the chat. Click on the link; it'll be there um, for you to get 10% off and you purchase at Billy Footwear. The footwear the den we are brave together mom's got a support uh, the mom support group they're doing a 5k event on September 23rd so register for that at we are brave together um so many more people that we're that we want to that we want to thank but go to our our, our <laughs> we've got a website coming up we promise um but we've still been working on it sandy it's been it's been three years um, with that <laughs> said i just want to say uh listen at every at now more than ever Empathy and love is so critical. If you see somebody in a situation, have some empathy. You don't know what the person's going through. You don't know what they're dealing with. If the child's having a meltdown, you don't know what they're going through. Be uh, be empathetic and ask questions. Don't don't make a judgment immediately. And if you look at the world through lenses of love, I promise you the world looks like a different place. So yes. with that being said, I'm going to throw it to Sean to close us out. And thank you, Sandy. Thank everybody, for participating. Um, Sean, i Send thank it to you to you. close us out. Thank you. thank
2: you. Just remember to everyone within the sound of my voice, questions are more powerful than statements. We need to be a little bit more, well, actually a lot more childlike and a lot less childish. Um, that is the key to any and everything. Everybody has the same needs to be seen, heard, loved, and know that they matter. And thank you for tuning in. We've you know, got a lot of great things uh, coming up and we'll be sharing them in the weeks to come. And uh, to everyone within the sound of my voice, thank you so much and we love you. We love you. Goodbye,
1: everybody. Bye.